I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. In chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus begins a new section. Now, we've been studying the passage that began in 517, how Jesus tells that his hearers that he's come to fulfill the law. Then he warns his hearers how their teachers were not correctly teaching the law. They had false teaching. Now, in chapter 6, Jesus turns to our lives, how we live out our faith. He warns us not to be hypocrites, possessing merely a superficial righteousness or doing a religion for show, essentially for yourself. We're going to read a longer section of scripture that includes three bad examples of how we should not practice our faith. In the middle of it is this wonderful aside, the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to read all of it together so you can hear it all in context, but we're going to just focus on the three examples and we'll save the Lord's Prayer for another episode. Tim, you want to read this? Sounds good. Starting in Matthew 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Awesome. Thank you. So the big picture I see in this passage is Jesus telling us to look at our hearts again. Why do we do what we do when we worship, especially in public? In the previous passage, people were trying to get out of obeying the law, Now Jesus pivots to people who were obeying the law, but they were obeying for the wrong reasons, to be seen by others. So what is the quality of our hearts that God desires? 
Yeah, I think that I, I, when I looked at this question, I wrote down three words, sincerity, earnestness, authenticity. These are the things that I think are uh, really difficult, and I'll just speak for myself. They're really difficult for me when I think about my public presence. Mm. Um, it's so it's easier to just put it on. It's easier to just treat it almost like clothing for me. I know I've been uh, I've been around uh, public worship for the last almost 40 years of my life. And so it's easy for me to put it on and just say, I know how I should look when I go to church. I know what's in me. I know how I feel. And that might be a mixture of all kinds of sin and attitudes and just wrongness. Mm. But I know how I should look. Yeah. And so it's really a challenge sometimes to be sincere and to go in and to prepare myself, which is what it takes. I have to prepare myself to be sincere. Hmm. Otherwise, I can just put it on. Yeah, I think it's very easy for any of us, um, and definitely for me, to have this mindset of the what I'm doing in public is what I have to focus on and that that's really what counts. Mm -hmm. um, and what I when I think about what God actually wants is that, you know, my public worship needs to be a, an outpouring of my existing and growing relationship with God. So there's, there's something that there's a relationship, there's a fellowship that I have with God inside of me. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, deep in my soul and everything that I do, whether it's private or public comes out of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, what I'm seeing Jesus really speak against here is that, you know, doing things so that other people will see. Mm. And uh, that that inverts it, which I know we'll talk a bunch about. Um, but to me, that's that's the, the key quality, right? There's this outpouring of, I want to be in fellowship with God at all times and in all places. Mm. And one of those places happens to be in public worship, in 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 public, uh, but that's not my primary focus. Yeah. When I was thinking about this, uh, well, I thought of two things. First, this is kind of frightening. You know, uh, these people are doing the right things, but God judges your heart. He sees your motivations, and so it's, suddenly this became very very difficult for me. <laughs> And it reminded me of another uh, one of my favorite scriptures, which I'm sure is yours as well, Van, uh, because it's, I'm going to quote Samuel here, which is your favorite. Uh, it says, um, you know, God says uh, to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. He's talking about David. For I've rejected uh, the, the other people, his brothers, and the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And there was something about David's heart that was special. Mm -hmm. And when you, you see him burst on the scene, I think it kind of relates to uh, this, you know, how God sees our hearts and what's going on inside of us when we're worshiping. When we see David, he's, you know, before we see him, you know, go face off against Goliath, we know he's spent a lot of time on his own, obviously. Mm -hmm. He's been in the middle of nowhere and tending the sheep. And then, you know, a wild animal comes along and... And God saves him from that wild animal. 
and that builds his faith. And so we see he's got some kind of real relationship with God that was Mm -hmm. developed in private. And so when he sees Goliath, he's angry. He's angry that this guy has insulted the armies of the living God. And, Mm -hmm. and, and then he gets up and, and, uh, I think that that's, uh, that there's this trust in God that is at the core of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you know, it's sort of like that that scripture in, in 2 Peter 1 where it talks about making every effort, making every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control. And when you read a passage like that, for me, it's it's overwhelming. It's like make every effort and then there's a long list of stuff <laughs> that I that I need to do and yet it makes complete sense when I think about the kind of heart that I want to have towards God in my relationship with him because if I don't have it the more around it I am the easier it is to fake it yeah and uh, the the easier it is to get away with faking it because people are used to seeing you in a certain light and it, it's that it's it's that effort in your individual that thing that made David stand out that made him do what he did when he went marched down into that valley to to confront Goliath came from inside of him it wasn't something he was wearing Mm. And in, in fact, there's that comical scene where Saul gives him the armor and he says, I can't go in this <laughs> mm-hmm. because yeah. I'm not used to it. Right. And, you know, so you, you envision this little kid trying to wear the armor of a six and a half foot tall man when what he had inside of him was enough for him to be able to do what he needed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what Jesus is calling us to is that is that uh, that authenticity yeah. that it comes from a real place inside and not from some motivation to just look right or to be yeah. popular or to fit in and there's a real danger in what you're describing too van right well like the more you perform at it the better you get at right performing yep and uh, that's that's scary yeah there's an aspect to our to the way we live our lives that is performative yeah. But if all there is is the performance, then and there's nothing underneath the performance, yeah. then there really is nothing. Mm. So uh, Jesus I love what he's so he's he's addressing public shows of righteousness and he uses these three examples, right? He's got public giving, public prayer, public fasting or fasting in such a way that everyone knows about it. (laughs) We don't live in the same culture, might have a hard time relating to these examples. For instance, if someone got up on the street corner and started praying loudly, we'd probably think they are crazy. Uh, But we do have things today like virtue signaling, right? Signaling your virtue. Uh, what are some modern examples of of things that we can kind of tie back to these examples Jesus is giving, and and uh, how how do they l- relate to us here? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on your cultural context. Um, are are you doing this in a setting that's you know maybe primarily Christian, or are you doing this in a setting that's not? Um, but with most of this. W- it basically comes down to I'm doing something 
primarily so that other people will perceive me a certain way, not so that I, you know, become a certain way. I mean, the actions that we do, do, do something to us. Um, but if the primary purpose is just to change other people's impression of us, that's, that's the issue. So there's a lot of examples of that, you know, uh, most of them would be, uh, talking about something you're doing or mm-hmm. doing something mm-hmm. and making sure other people know about it. Um, right. I think tooting your own horn, tooting your own horn, mm-hmm. which comes right out of this <laughs> passage. <laughs> right. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think a very obvious one example to me is when is with acts of charity, you know, mm-hmm. it's still very, very common of telling people, uh, you know, that you you just gave a lot of money to someone, whether that's mm-hmm. a very public figure or it's really easy to slip that in to uh, a little conversation. <laughs> right, oh, you know, right. I was talking to this person and they needed X, Y, Z. But then, you know, I think in addition to that, it's about, you know, as for us as Christians, it's really easy to get into this mindset of what do I need to do for someone else to think that, you know, I'm okay or mm. that I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a good Christian. Um, whether it's uh, just showing up to something or it's, uh, using the right lingo. Um, so I'm kind of in the in club, right. And mm-hmm. that gets me some sort of status or favor, um, or like perks within a community, but it's not actually changing my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there is, a something that's very prevalent in our culture now is this tendency towards being (laughs) self-congratulatory and it's it's really pervasive and it's something that i notice all the time and i will see it in myself and when i do it it just it's repulsive to me i'll see it in myself where i'll suddenly feel like i'm at work for instance and someone, I'm in the presence of someone that I feel intimidated by or that I want to impress them. So I will figure out a way to get into the conversation that, oh, I've been around this place for my whole adult life. I'll say that sentence. Or um, I've had experience with with uh, this president. I was here when so and so was president of the university, mm-hmm. and I was, and it, and it becomes this thing where I'm trying to puff myself up. Right. You're I'm not trying, in a job interview. You already got right. a job. <laughs> I'm just. Tra- I'm. Tra- I'm trying to again. I'm trying to look like something. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that, and this is. I'll say this because it it's a particular pet peeve of mine. So you know those things that you'll see sometimes on social media where people go up to a homeless guy oh, and yeah. they give him a bunch of money and then they take him to the store and they buy him clothes and they give him a haircut and they yeah. do all this stuff. And I'm not making a judgment as to where the hearts of those people are in doing that. They might be in a great place. But to me, it's like, just do it. Yeah. Why do you have to? Why like, do you have to put it on social media? Are you trying to make me feel? Are you trying to make me feel guilty for not doing that, or are you trying to just look like a great guy? Right. And that's a great example. I find myself a lot of times. I just want to look like a great guy, and almost especially when I'm not feeling like a great guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I, I'll want to do something to just sort of show everybody, look, here I am. See, see how good I am. See what a good boy I am. I'm just a good guy. Yeah, the first thing I thought of with this thing uh, was philanthropy. I was, uh, you know, um, I, I work in the construction industry, and so I, I don't want philanthropy to stop. I like when people give a lot of money to pro- fund projects or fund, uh, like, you know, different departments or whatever or, or positions. And, you know, they get their name attached to the, mm-hmm. the you are the so-and-so fellow and, and, or, or get their name on the building. And, and uh, I, I, love, I love all that um, mm-hmm. because it, it keeps, uh, keeps us going with the construction that I love to do. But, mm-hmm. uh but yeah, that was the first thing that came to my mind. And and what does that say? It's you know you you want your name to last, right? It's about mm-hmm. legacy somehow. People will still have your name in their mouth after you're gone. And um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think there is, a, but there's also a, a thin line because Jesus does say early earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, yeah. he says. Let your light shine. I know. To the world, right? I know. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't put your light and put it under a basket. And yes. to me, it's just one of those, there's a there's a series of fine lines in the teaching of Jesus that you have to yes. walk on. That where does letting your light shine stop and blowing your own trumpet begin? Right. It's a, it's a really thin yeah, line. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that. I, I was thinking about a lot about those, those uh, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. That's a great um, uh, counterpoint. And, and so it really is then a quality of your heart. And mm-hmm. I was also thinking about philanthropy in that I remember doing, a, um, there was a wall of donors for this building that we were, you know, and then there was a tile that was anonymous. And we're like, oh, um, Okay, well, that person didn't want. They just wanted to give, and and they thought it was a good cause, but they uh, didn't want their name. But we're st- we're still putting anonymous up here. Okay. Anyway, uh, something to consider. Uh, mm. I don't know. How do these kind of different examples creep into the church? For instance, do we see virtue virtue signaling uh, in church? If so, how? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's super common um, because. In the church, the, you know, in an ideal world, if everything was perfect, you know, the the leaders and the people we most respect in the church would be those who have hearts <laughs> that are so rich and generous that they are doing all these things naturally. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot easier to kind of fake it <laughs> or to point to the one example of something that we're doing. Uh, and not have the um, consistency uh, that, it, you know, it's something that I'm doing in secret, and it also happens to be in the public space. So um, I, it's not to say that anyone who's talking about something that they're doing that's good is only doing it for praise, but I think that the temptation is especially um, significant in the church because that's really what defines what it means to be great. Right. If if we're going to be great like Jesus, we're going to be doing the things that, that Jesus did and said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, you know when I was talking before about the thin line mm-hmm. between letting your light shine and blowing your own trumpet, um, it it really is it, and it is a quality of heart, and it's something that we have to first of all be very aware of, 
and I think be very uh, prayerful about and also be very open about talking in, a, a, as individuals. Um, because I think I'll, I'll give an example of someone up at the pulpit talking about how generous a church we are. Mm. Now, there's a reason to do that. You know, there's a reason you want to encourage generosity. Yeah. You want to uh, you want to share with people who might be visiting churches that, you know, we're, we're trying to not just be religious, but we're also uh, putting our putting our money where our mouth is. We're also, you know, we're, we're living, we're trying to live like Jesus and be giving for real. Uh, but if you're not careful and you're a person sitting in the audience, especially a person who is a member of the church sitting in the audience, you might misconstrue that and think, well, this is what you do. You hmm. say how generous you are because um, so that people can see it. So yeah. that people can see it. And when you're presenting at a public worship service, there are things that you say so that people will know because otherwise they wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's just a, it's a very thin line. And I think it's a, a line that we all have to walk individually in our relationship with God. Yeah, I know. I, I felt the same way that this is a tricky kind of thin line and, and um, a lot – it seems like so much of our modern world deals with seeing things publicly, like what mm -hmm. we were talking about before with yeah. social media. And and so I, I, I actually find some really useful aspects to that too. Like if you're going to use social media to evangelize in creative ways, I think that's great. And mm -hmm. I, I'm not <laughs> suggesting we get rid of any of our marketing communications teams at all. I think they're needed. They're great. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, I, I think where it veers into self-promotion um, over promoting God, I, I think that's that's maybe a judgment call that each of us has has to have in our own heart when we're. And I think that's also the the danger of anyone who gets up in front of it, uh, people. You know, are you doing it for yourself or for God? Are you mm -hmm. getting likes? <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, what's you know? I think that's that's the question. I think uh, God sees it, and we need to ask ourselves. You know, what are our motivations? Mm -hmm. So I think we have time for maybe one more question here. Um, this is this is great. Uh, so, all right, let's say, um, let's see. Jesus doesn't say that giving, praying, or fasting is wrong. He says when, when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast. So he, he expects us to do all three. As an aside, I often wish he'd say if you fast, <laughs> I hate fasting. I don't know why people, it's the rage now, you know, like everyone's talking about their intermittent fasting and it's so good and health benefits and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'd rather eat, frankly, but Jesus says when you do all these things. So it it, it can be good to give, pray and fast. It, it It's more about what we were talking about, the quality of the heart and uh, how we do each of these. Why, why do you think Jesus frames these religious activities in this way as heart issues between you and God? What does that teach us about the purpose of religious activities in the first place? Yeah, I mean, when I think of this question, the fundamental thing I have to go back to is, you know, what is God's goal for us? Mm. And that's one of those questions that has many different answers, just like, Jesus comes down and he says, you know, this is why a son of man came down. And there's like, 
he gets like six or seven different answers at different places. Um, but one of those is in Titus um, chapter two. And it says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. And then this is the key who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. Mm. And so in the context of what we're talking about, if my, if my righteousness is something that I do for the praise of others, then I will be very eager to do it when I receive that praise, mm-hmm. mm. right? <laughs> right. And uh, I'll I'll be going. I think giving money is a really good example of this, and so I'll just keep on using it. But I'll go and I'll like look to oh, there's someone who needs something, and then I'll kind of check, look around, right, and think, oh, is anyone watching? <laughs> or like, you know, who can, who am I gonna? I'm thinking about who am I gonna tell about it? You know, in mm-hmm. in an hour or two, um, and so. There's a certain kind of eagerness there, but I don't think it's the eagerness that, you know, is being talked about in Titus where there's an eagerness to do good because it is good. There's an eagerness to do good because that that is the type of people that we are because we're the people of God. And yeah. so um, wherever we go, you know, in the the light of day and in, in the dark of night, you know, we're just eager to do good. Um, and I think that's the... That's the direction that God is calling us to and, and wants, you know, to purify us to become those people. And quote unquote religious activities, um, you know, performing righteousness can be a really incredible way of developing that um, heart because we're, we're teaching ourselves this is the kind of person that I am. You know, this is the kind of person that God has made me to be. Um, and so that to me feels like the fundamental mm-hmm. reason behind why I'm being called to fast or to pray or to, um, to give or whatever the, the case might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when I was looking at this, at this question, I was thinking of the fact that the people that Jesus was talking to here, the original audience were people who lived a life where these things were very normal. Um, um, that, they didn't have the way that we can have today. So we have a, a, a very sort of segmented existence. I have, I live in different worlds. I have my work world. I have my church world. I have my home life. They're all, they all can feel like different lives. And if I don't have something overarching that unites all of those things, I can be three different people in those three different places (laughs) very easily. Yeah. And those three different people are, are, they can be at odds with each other, which is why it's always weird when somebody from my work comes over to my house for dinner, because then it's strange because those two worlds Worlds are clashing and they don't, and they don't match. The reason they don't match or the reason that they may not match is that I don't have something overarching. Hmm. And what's overarching needs to be my devotion to God so that I really, in a way, have one life that I'm living in all of those places and that it's devoted, that one life is devoted to God. 
So even though there are certain behaviors that I exhibit at church that I would not exhibit at work, I would not, when a meeting starts in my office, stand up and start singing. <laughs> okay, let me lead you all in a prayer <laughs> right. before we start this meeting. I, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily do that, but I need to have. It needs to be the same person in all those places. Yeah. So there needs to be an acknowledgement of God, if that's appropriate, at work. I need to be able to share my faith. Yeah. Uh, you know, I need to be able when I'm talking to my daughter about a lesson that she's doing in her class on the Book of Job, and she says. This is stupid, and it it and I understand why she's saying this is stupid. So let let's let it be overarching and say, well, this is what it's communicating, mm. not in a churchy way, not in a work way, but in a sincere way. Yeah, in, you don't want to be a secret Christian, and people should exactly. know you're a child of God, right? right? Wherever you go, right? You you wouldn't want to have your friends say, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to say, really, really hard to do. It's really hard to uh, to to think that way yeah. when I'm in those different worlds. Well, um, I like what both of you are saying here, it, and I think I was thinking of bits of of both of them a little bit in in terms of purpose. I think what you were saying, Tim, in the in the, the Titus uh, scripture you mentioned mm -hmm. um, references glory, and that was kind of what I latched onto here um, that I think a lot of this has to do with giving glory to God. And, mm -hmm. and as I was looking at the end of chapter five, I was reminded, uh, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. And I couldn't help but think about him being described as our father, which is, you know, the Lord's prayer is in the middle of this section is a reminder of that he's our father. And at, mm -hmm. at the end of chapter five, Jesus is saying, God's their father, but they aren't acting like it. They don't resemble God. And uh, when we act like our father, we give him glory. And in, in Proverbs 17, 6, it says the, the glory of children are their fathers. If we were gaining our sonship by our works, we'd get the glory, which I think is a little bit of what Jesus is talking about here. Um, and again, it's like this delicate balance that we've been talking about. Um, because on the one hand, and, and this is what the, the, the scripture you mentioned earlier, Van, Matthew 5, 14 through 16, um, it says we need to be the light of the world and not hide that light because it's needed all around us. Um, but then, you know, verse and verse 16 is really great. I want to actually read that because it relates to what I'm saying here. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your mm. father in heaven. Mm. So we should stand out. And none of these examples are bad in themselves. The crucial thing is Jesus is addressing now uh, why we do them, our mm -hmm. motivation. Uh, we should never stand out for self. This is all for God and his glory. Yeah. Right. Who gets the glory? Yeah, who mm -hmm. gets the glory? This is great. I think we should do another one on this. This yes. is a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks.